What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact every bite is better with Pepsi. This is the Epilog Audio Experience. We often talk about environment stability and sustainable economic development. But as young people charting career paths with entrepreneurial dreams, can we really keep social, rather environmental impact at the core of the way we structure our career? Because, well, clearly, if the environment fails to support us, career conversations and plans would be futile, wouldn't they? Welcome to Voice of Achievers with me, Ashika, as we sit down to decode an important aspect of careers, of growth, with our guest, Mr. Satya S. Tripathi, who is the Secretary General of the Global Alliance for a Sustainable Planet a development economist, lawyer, and change maker with over 40 years of varied experience. Mr. Tripathi is the Chancellor of Kalinga Institute of Social Sciences and a Senior Distinguished Fellow on Innovative Finance at World Agroforestry Centre. He served with the UN for more than two decades in key positions across the planet and was most recently the UN Assistant Secretary General, Head of New York Office at UN Environment and Secretary of the UN Environment Management Group. His other strategic engagements with the UN include Head of Human Rights Investigations for the UN in post-war Bosnia, the UN Recovery Coordinator where he facilitated international cooperation and funding for post-tsunami recovery efforts and so many more. Mr. Tripathi was instrumental in achieving transformative social and environmental impact for millions of people in developing countries. He's previously served on the World Economic Forum's Global Advisory Council on Forests. We are so, so fortunate to have you on the show. So happy. Thank you for having me. Mr. Tripathi, the basic question that most young people are asking today what is it that we don't know and what is it that we should know with respect to the environment? I think uh, it operates at two levels. The first is, of course, knowledge. Some may have knowledge of the intricate science around environment, climate change, weather patterns, long-term trends, short-term trends, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, acidity of oceans, planetary boundaries. It's quite a complex package of issues to consider if you're talking about knowledge. But uh, what is even more important is uh, being sensitive. Being sensitive to the fact that, uh, and that doesn't require knowledge, that requires emotional quotient as we call EQ. The same way we ought to treat fellow human beings well, we ought to treat fellow species well, because the world has roughly about 8 million species, and we all have a right to exist. 
we all actually exist in a very harmonious way in something that is more popularly known as the web of life. Um, the biodiversity uh, that helps us survive. Humans won't survive if a lot of microbial creatures under the soil, the subsoil, or in the oceans were not producing oxygen or not releasing the nutrients, as is the case with the microbes under the soil. All the food we eat, of course, there's photosynthesis, and but, but that energy then goes into the soil. So every plant that stands on Mother Earth has a predator-prey relationship with the creatures below the soil, what we know as microbes. So during the day, the plants produce the energy that then goes down to the soil for the creatures there to survive and they draw their sustenance from them. And in the evenings when there is no photosynthesis happening and then the plants have to survive, they need the energy, they draw it back from the soil. So there's a predator and prey relationship going on 24 seven, 365 between the creatures above and the creatures below. And then that amazing act of interchange and shared living that actually helps humans and many other species survive that depend on plants and, and other agricultural producers to survive. So, so, so that doesn't require much knowledge that requires being sensitive, being respectful uh, to what you see and what, what you don't see. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is the world wastes about 40% of everything that is produced, the food is wasted, whether in uh, warehouses, whether in the time of harvest, whether it is a time of transportation um, or processing the food or even consuming. Um, tons of food are wasted every minute uh, on the dining tables around the world when uh, more than a billion people go hungry every day. I mean, you know, that's unconscionable that we would rather throw away something than help a fellow uh, human being or an animal um, use that gainfully. So, you know, so I think these are, the, it's our lack of sensitivity, which is a bigger problem than our lack of knowledge. How can, how can we change that and how can we become more, what do we need to become more sensitive? I think uh, the world has become very materialistic. So, so I think that's a challenge because our respect for the fellow humans, and let's forget the animals and other species for a bit, even our respect for fellow humans is more dependent on a very materialistic perception of who they are. We might be more keen to know a very abrasive and misbehaved celebrity than a very kind and generous neighbor that lives right next to us. Um, which is kind of really sad and surprising uh, because at the end of the day, when you are in a crisis, that kind and generous neighbor would be of far greater support and assistance to you than a so-called flashy celebrity. That's something to keep in mind. But, but, but the, the one thing that youngsters, and uh, I am blessed with two children of my own, what I find in general among young people is that somehow they have picked up this idea, generally observing the world around them, that you need to have some grand plans, you know, to get ahead in life. If I go back 
let's say 40 years when I was a young individual, I did not have a clue what I'm going to do next. Much like many people, I had a lot of ambition and imagination, of course. But uh, so I was, a few years ago, I was speaking at uh, the University of British Columbia and a young um, student asked me a question. She said, you know, you seem to have had a fascinating career. How did you plan all this? And uh, I said, the truth is that I planned nothing. It is all. Really? It is. I planned nothing. It is just oh, everything is happenstance. So the advice I can give you, I told her is that at different stages in life, you will have opportunities. What you need to do is to make the best of that opportunities. There are no grand plans. Grand plans never worked out. So if you have a grand plan and if you are pursuing it 20 years later, you'll be completely broken. Your grand plan will be nowhere near achieving and, um, and, and, and that doesn't work. But if you are kind, if you're generous, if you open up your mind to the world around you, if you learn everything that comes your way at every stage, there's no stopping of learning. It's not like you got a master's degree, then you stop learning. Because the master's degree actually gives you a few more tools to appreciate the world better, a few more analytical abilities, uh, a few more interpretation possibilities. So I, my advice to young people would be, two things uh, and very important things that I have learned from my life. Don't have any grand plans. They don't take you very far in life. At every stage of your life, you will have opportunities. Pick up the opportunity that gives you the best possibility of learning and strengthening your intellectual abilities. Intellectual does not necessarily mean, you know, two plus two equals four or four plus four equals eight, but intellectual abilities is also the EQ, not just the IQ. But being intellectual is being sensitive to A, knowledge, but we also understand that the more you know, the less you know. I, I read uh, as a kid, a beautiful story about Thomas Alva Edison. Somebody asked him once, you know, he said, you must be so proud, you know, you've invented so many things, you know, and you must be very proud. Incidentally, when that conversation was happening, he was on the shores of an ocean uh, with a very pebbled beach. So he said, I have actually picked up a few pebbles along the shores of the ocean of knowledge. What is there to be proud about it? And, and he was actually not being modest. He was actually saying it as it is. Now, as we, after thousands of more very consequential inventions on the planet, we know that Edison was actually being truthful, not being modest. No matter how great his inventions were, he had actually picked up a few pebbles along the shores of the ocean of knowledge. So that's what it is, you know, so don't think you've arrived in life because you've gotten a degree. It has only gotten you a little further. So that's very important. So as you do that, so at every phase, when you do well, it'll take you to the next level. You know, in a funny way, it's like playing Super Mario. Uh, you don't know what's coming your way, maybe a little bit, but not all of it. As you start, you will know when to jump, when to catch. And that will keep taking you to the next level and the next level. And then, you know, when you look back 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, looking back, 
you'll say, wow, I have had a good journey. So I think that's what is important, yeah? I want, because you, you made the Mario reference, let's go back to the first, second level of uh, the Mario game. And let's go back to a young uh, Satya completed his masters and getting into the career space. What were some of the major concerns and what were some of the major challenges? The reason I ask this is because there are many youngsters who are today at the beginning of their career trajectories in the middle of a pandemic. There are millions and millions of children that have no resources. So, so my experiences are, I don't think are very useful for them because I mean, I didn't come from a very rich family or anything, but, but I came from a, a normal family that was able to uh, always look after all my needs. So I really didn't have to really struggle or uh, they say sympathy is knowing how others feel, empathy is feeling how others feel. So they certainly have my sympathies, but that empathy I can try, but it is very difficult to understand the pain of a person that has nothing. Um, and then they pull themselves off, uh, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, uh, as is popularly said, and they make themselves amazingly resilient young individuals. So they have all my respect. I am not one of them. But what I, from my own experience, one thing that one must never do that in, in search of material uh, well-being, don't give up what you are not, you know, uh, or don't give up the core essence of who you are. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you are a vegetarian, just because it might get you a good salary, you shouldn't end up working in a butchery shop, you know, or a meat processing plant. You'll be miserable every day. The smell, everything, you know, this is not about what people's choices are and what people eat. I mean, it's more power to them. Anybody can eat, uh, anything they want. I'm myself a non-vegetarian. But the point is, if you are a vegetarian, then you should not end up, because just because you're getting a job, don't end up in a meat processing plant. It, it, it just robs you of everything in terms of your own existence. Don't do that. Or if you have a, a, a very moral and ethical upbringing, don't end up working for a very corrupt person, because that will make you miserable every day. It might get you money. So, you know, so just try to understand who you are inside and, and, and stay true to that. And I can say from my own life experience that when you stay true to that, you will find something to do. Uh, in the shorter term, it might look very dire, very desperate that you don't have a job and you're looking for something. But if you stay true to your core beliefs, uh, your moral values, your ethical underpinning, you will find something to do. Sooner or later, you will succeed in life. And then that's what I have uh, personally Because we're very close to uh, World Nature Conservation Day, and one of the UN SDGs is to promote sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth and productive environment, and another about sustainable industries. Now, that young people are going to take up entrepreneurial roles, become more aware. Uh, what are the key things that they should keep in mind from an environment perspective, yet, you know, move towards an economic growth space? 
So, you know, the, um, the SDGs people, sometimes young people tell me, oh, it's too complex. You know, you have 17 sustainable development goals. Um, it has 169 targets um, uh, for the 17 goals uh, against which you measure success um, or lack thereof. It's too complicated, people tell me. I said, you know, just keep that aside. Uh, I, I, I had a significant role to play when the SDGs were being developed six, seven years ago. I was then supporting um, the, the high-level panel on the post-2015 development agenda, which then became the SDGs. And, and uh, so I know how it came about. And, uh, and there were so many discussions and so many people and experts putting in their own insights into the process. So it, but it was a very consultative process with young people, with wise people, uh, with the professors, with uh, experts, with politicians around the world. So it, it didn't come about by two or three people sitting down and writing down the SDGs. It came about through a consultation process that involved tens of millions of people worldwide. So I often suggest that uh, you look at the SDGs as a simple thing. Will we survive without clean water? So there's an SDG for that. Uh, will we be healthier if we breathe toxic air? No. So there's an SDG for that. Will we survive if our oceans die? No. So there's an SDG for that. So everything around us, from air, water, food, uh, public health, environment, climate, everything, how, how we produce, how we consume, do, are we looking after our children because they are our future. So you, if you bring everything together for a holistic planet, that's the SDGs. It's, it's very simple. Uh, it, there's nothing complicated about it. And the last one is an SDG for partnerships because together we are stronger. Individually, we cannot do so many things that we can do together. So coming together collectively. How is the how is the process of putting the SDGs together? No, the putting the SDGs together was very simple. There was a high level panel um, that uh, made some recommendations. Then there was the intergovernmental process came about under the General Assembly, and, and so member states put in their uh, they they nominated experts to represent the views of their countries. So those experts then got together and then produced. The drafts then that then went back for consideration of the general assembly and finally the general assembly adopted it so it was a very consultative process it was not uh, cooked up uh, by some experts in a closed room people even voted on it what do you think is more important than the other uh, hats off to everybody that was involved and when i say everybody i'm talking about tens of millions of people around the world that contributed to what it should be what it should look like Mr. Prati, what I wanted to understand is that uh, when young people are beginning their entrepreneurial journey, their careers, uh, their professional journey, how can they ensure that there is economic growth and development on one hand and there is sustainable environmental development on the other? Well, it's all in the same hand, if I may, because um, a false binary has been created where people present the argument that if you protect the environment, you can't have economic growth. That's, there's nothing farther from the truth. You can actually have economic growth while protecting the environment. 
if you look at costa rica it is one of the cleanest uh, and greenest countries on the planet and they are not a poor country they have protected their forests they have protected their rivers and their oceans and they are one of the most vibrant countries in the world uh, right in our neighborhood look at bhutan um, they are one of the greenest countries on the planet um, they even tourism they are very careful to decide who they let in so it's not like millions of people are coming in they say we have our culture we have our people and we will on only allow uh, a smaller number of tourists to come into our country every year uh, and that works wonderfully well for them so you know so there, there is no one standard model how you do this there are so many different ways they are as diverse as humans are and our imagination is so, but the basic guiding principle is we have to understand that mother nature the abuse of mother nature cannot continue the way it has been for a hundred plus years now what should we do what should we what should young people be doing about this and what are the simple steps or the simple actions that they can take to be able to contribute well you know i often say this a problem created by 8 billion people so that's what roughly the population of the world is cannot be solved by a few governments and few corporations people have to solve the problem and simple things you know you step out of a room you switch off the lights how difficult is that or uh, you're in a restaurant you're in a buffet you don't have to fill your plate and build a mountain on your plate when you are only going to eat two spoonfuls of it. What is the point? You can always work. And, and I, I, have, I read some study which was really mind boggling is that once people settle down to eat, they don't want to stand up again and walk to the serving area. So why can't we take small portions and then go back again? Because the food is not going anywhere, we have paid for it. Uh, people have hundreds of pairs of clothes in their wardrobes that they buy maybe wear once and never wear them again uh, there are uh, many countries where if you just picked up the toys that are hiding in the basements of people because they were bought and never used even the packets never opened you can actually give toys to hundreds of millions of children worldwide so so i think that's what is important that for us to understand there are no unlimited resources there is no planet B. So uh, while we um, talk about going to Mars or going to the uh, edges of space, you know, just uh, this coming weekend, um, Richard Branson would be heading out to the edges of the atmosphere. And then a few days later, Jeff Bezos is heading off. I mean, that's good. You know, that's demonstrating science and, and, and I have nothing against it. But can we, for God's sake, provide as much attention and time to making our own planet a better place instead of spending time to go to Mars and, and other places? You know, we, we need to fix our planet before we think of going to other planets and imagining how we'll grow food there. And I'm sure young people must be wondering all the time what's wrong with these adults they need to fix their own planet first before they head out anywhere else. 
the fact that you have been in this space for over 40 years tell us as a career it what are the two important factors that kept you motivated to be in this career for so long and what are the skills and characteristics that it takes for someone who's just starting out to be in this career space it, it's rather simple actually always whenever you do something always consider how does it impact others simple things you know caring about your immediate surroundings caring about people caring about the environment i think that's crucial and if you do that in everything you do you'll certainly find you have a blessed life and all you and this is not about knowledge this is not about money this is not about opportunity this is just about being a kind human being that you care about others so every action you know newton's law every action has an equal and opposite reaction so whatever it is you are doing is it likely to annoy others is it likely to hurt others and and by that i don't talk about humans alone is it a tree is it a dog is it an animal is it anything you know so if you cared enough you know sometimes you come across people that in the summer heat they are worried that animals might not get water to drink so they bring a pot of water and they leave it outside now that's hats off to them they really care this is not about uh, whether the animal will stand up and shake your hands that's not or appreciate you even but that you can see it in their eyes when they have had that water and then they look up to you you realize that you are being blessed so that's what you need to do so it it doesn't require anything it just requires us to be better versions of ourselves so that's the first thing because that will then reflect on everything you do if you care your colleagues will think very well of you so when they are whispering they'll say you know yashika is a good person she cares and then suddenly when your evaluation is being written by your supervisor the supervisor thinks yashika is a good person she needs to be recognized and then when it all adds up somebody is getting promoted yashika will be in the front of the line because everybody thinks she's a competent person she's a caring person so you know so that's the first thing i think it, it it doesn't require anything for us to do that you know poor rich tall short fat thin doesn't matter you can be a kind person you know so that's the first thing the careness quotient i see s uh, cq the caring quotient so and and the second thing is wherever you are whatever job you've gotten sometimes it is by force of circumstances you desperately need the resources you take a job do it well don't hate it because as long as you are in that job you have a responsibility so don't speak ill of your job you know there's a lot of people say oh i am in a miserable job nobody is in a miserable job is the person who is miserable jobs are not miserable because another person in the same job would think they are blessed to be in that job the jobs are not miserable it's people who are miserable so don't be miserable you know consider anything that comes your way do it well what what, what has been the most challenging aspect of being in the environmental space for so long well the most challenging thing is that sometimes you know it's it's difficult to 
convince people because they are too clever for their own good. So they think that, oh, you know, uh, you don't understand and, you know, uh, there needs to be economic growth, but you cannot have economic growth at the cost of the environment. Consider a bank account, okay? You put a thousand rupees in a bank account, and if you keep drawing a hundred rupees every month, what will happen in 10 months? You'll have nothing left. But if you didn't do that, and if you let the bank take your money and lend it to somebody, then get some interest out of them, and then a part of it comes back to your account. So perpetually, you'll keep earning that interest because you kept your principal intact. Same with nature. You can't keep drawing from nature without consequences. But if you keep drawing within the regenerative capacity of nature, then nature will support us, serve us, help us for millions of years to come, as it has done in the past. There are 8 million species, no other species responsible for the state of the planet, only us. And we need to change that. And it is not going to go on for very long. Canada is burning now. If you look at uh, different places in Canada, the wild, uh, the, the bushfires in Australia, it's just happening everywhere. It is happening because we have altered the fine balance of nature and we have to pay a very heavy price so we need to stop do you see do you see a ray of hope with uh, youngsters today youngsters are the only hope because they are sentient they they care look at people like greta thunberg there are quite a few in india as well and they all uh, are fighting for their future and shame on us the adults uh, and you know you come across adults that even mock the young activists. I, I met them myself and I look at them and I say like, what's wrong with you people? But I feel so proud. My, my daughter is pretty much as old as Greta. And, uh, and every time I see her, I said, what an inspiring person. I, on the global map, how is India viewed with respect to environment and with respect to nature, nature conservation? Like realistically, not the stuff that we read in papers and on digital media. No, no, in reality, you know, we, we need to be truthful about the situation in India. India has huge problems, right? It has problems of air pollution. It has problems of water contamination. Uh, half of our population hardly gets clean water to drink. So we have serious problems. So, I mean, you know, there's no hiding that. But in the climate change space, one metric that is often used is per capita carbon footprint. It, it is based on the number of people and the total emissions of a country. And, and you divide that by the number of people and then you get the per capita footprint. Let's take the case of United States. In terms of a big country, um, the worst emissions per capita are in the United States. So every American uh, emits about 16 tons per capita every year, right? So, the global average is between four and five tons per capita. The ideal average that the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change suggests that we all get to is 2.1, because if everybody got to 2.1 tons per capita, then we'll be a good planet, you know, we'll be fine. Uh, which basically means that we have to reduce 60% from the global average or 90% 
or 80% from the American emissions or all. Uh, interestingly, the Indian per capita emissions or per capita footprint is around 1.8 tons. So we are even below the ideal carbon footprint. So the answer is India hasn't contributed to the problem, but India would be a big part of the problem in the future. Hence, India needs to be a big part of the solution. And I'll tell you why. Currently, India emits about three gigatons, little less than that, but roughly to give you a full number, about three gigatons, three billion tons of emissions every year, total number for India, right? Then higher than that um, is, is America. They're between five and six, depending on the year and the intensity of the emissions. And then of course, China, which is about 12 billion tons. You know, So China is roughly about four times the emissions of India. The US is almost two times in absolute numbers. But the problem is that while the American emissions peaked in the 70s and they are dropping actually consistently. So pretty much the whole world, except China have now promised that by 2050, we will get to net zero. And, and, and China may revise in the future also, or, but, but at this time. Does that seem realistic? Given how Sorry? things are, does that seem realistic? Well, it is not. It is not, and, and that's what I'm coming to. So that's the promise, right? But, but if you look back at the promises in the past, uh, we know that a lot of the promises have never been met. So draw your own conclusions, but at this time, these are the promises, right? Now, India hasn't made any such promise, which is fine, because India's stand has been that, you know, we are less than 60% compared to the global average. So what are you talking to us, us about, right? So, so that's, that's the Indian stand, but Indian emissions are also doubling every eight, nine years now. So which means that by 2040, if India does nothing and keeps growing at the same rate, they will get to about 14 billion tons per annum, which is an extraordinarily large amount of emissions when everybody is going down. So then India would be in a very difficult place by 2040 if it continues along the same trajectory. So that is what is crucial. And that's what uh, we need to keep in mind um, while standing up and telling the world that, listen, we haven't been a part of the pro problem, but we certainly want to be a part of the solution. There's a lot happening in India, you know, by the um, chemical-free agriculture, energy, biofuels, and the solar energy, India is uh, the fastest growing country in terms of adding solar energy to the energy mix, you know, so, and wind and everything else. So I think uh, India is doing well in terms of what it is contributing to solving the global problem, but it needs to do much, much more because we need to stay where we are uh, and, and keep growing without adding more emissions. And it is possible. You just have to choose the right options. Very interesting. And talking of options, tell us what are some of the upcoming career options when it comes to sustainable or social impact careers? What are some of the upcoming careers that young people can look at? The biggest option or the best option is 
if your family has any land, go back there and do natural farming. And that, as I have seen, and I met this very inspiring young lady who was working as an engineer, uh, tech companies, I think it was Accenture where she was working in Hyderabad. And uh, so I was in her village talking to her mother about the natural farming she's doing. You know, her mother has a 10 acre farm where, uh, and it's a very inspiring story because she had earlier sold half of the land to send her children to engineering colleges. And, and now by switching to natural farming, she has actually not only made so much money that she's very prosperous, but she's also bought back the land she had sold. And so much so that the daughter that's an engineer that was working somewhere has now quit her job and come back to help mom. Because she says, this is so much more dignified. I love this. And, and I make much more money by being here. Why do I need to go work for somebody? And, and India, mind you, has 120 million smallholder farmers, 12 crore farmers. So if the children in all those families decided to take up natural farming, so it's clean, it's chemical free, it's healthy, and you make much more money, you don't need to go to a big city where you share a small living space with somebody and, uh, you know, and, 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 and many of them feel miserable because there's no belongingness. The moment you go back to the place where you grew up, your land, your people, it's a very different world. So I think that is the biggest opportunity for young people in India. Go back to your roots. Love that thought. Uh, what does achievement mean to you? Achievement is living a fulfilled life, a holistic fulfilled life. Are you happy, you know? And, and what makes you happy? Are you able to help people? Are you recognized by your community as somebody who contributes to the community? And, and if you look at any study across the planet, the happiest people are those that make others happy. What does achievement mean from an environment perspective? It's simple. Respect mother nature. The entire web of life, which is, which is what she nurtures and nourishes. The moment we respect her, everything we do will be looked at through that lens and we will do things different. Thank you for these wonderful thoughts and thank you for giving us hope for the future generations and the upcoming generations with respect to career opportunities and even looking at life from an environment and sustainable point of view. Thank you so much. It was brilliant having you on the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on Epilogue Media. Tennessee. 
just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.